Welcome to The Urbanist Live, a brand new podcast produced by the Urban Development Institute of Australia in WA. I am your host, Tanya Steinbeck, CEO of UDIAWA, and this podcast is designed to provide insightful discussion and debate on a range of issues relevant to the urban development industry. This is an opportunity for us to explore topics and challenge our perspectives. Each episode will feature a different discussion topic with a clear message from our guests to assist those working in the urban development sector now and into the future. We are making this podcast freely available to anybody to listen as we believe in the value of great ideas. In episode one, I'm going to be talking to UDIA's Director of Policy and Research, Chris Green, who will be talking about some of the recent results from our monthly urban intelligence while looking ahead to some of the preliminary data from our urban development index due out next week. Thanks for joining me today, Chris. Thanks for having me, Tanya. We've uh, we've seen over the weekend the Prime Minister announce a uh, framework for returning back to what we hope is some sense of normality, particularly from a, um, an ep- economic perspective. What do you think the impact of that and the broader impact of coronavirus is having on our industry and the market? Thanks, Tanya. It's a good question. Um, we've seen the, the relaxation of some of the restrictions, but they're pretty limited, to be fair. So we're probably not going to see a great deal of impact in terms of our industry. I think for some industries, it's going to be difficult whether they can fully fully reopen or, or half open and, and how that plays out. So certainly the broader economy is a key area that we'll be watching. It's too early to tell how, how, how we're going to see that reaction, but at least we're heading in the right direction. And I think First and foremost, we need to congratulate both the state and the federal governments for their effective response to coronavirus. In WA here, we've only had one case uh, since the 29th of April, so in, in 12 days, and luckily that was a, an isolated case that was involved overseas travel, so we're not really seeing the community transition here. So all being well, we can get through the next phase of, of the coronavirus response and then get into more the, the next stage and really start to open the economy back up and to get things going similar to perhaps they were pre-coronavirus. And so um, UDIA has been working pretty closely with the state and local government over the past couple of months looking at what can be done in order to keep the industry going. What are some of the wins that we've already achieved, including some of the, the planning changes? So I think first and foremost, what we wanted to see happen was was the statutory approval process and construction sites and everything remain open throughout. And luckily, we've, we've that happened here. I know in other countries and other states there have been um, there's difficulties, uh, but we've managed to get through that pretty well. So that was that was a key win from the start. We did see the minister amend the local planning scheme regs a few weeks ago, which basically they were really in response to setting up to coronavirus. So we saw things like exemptions for parking vehicles at home. There were exemptions for change of use, so cafes and restaurants could operate as takeaways. So a lot of that sort of day-to-day stuff. But unfortunately, none of that really was going to affect our industry, but certainly they've been welcomed. The one thing we did ask for is, is for the minister to clear the blockage and any investment that's delayed in the approval process. With collaboration with our members, we did provide a list of projects to the minister, she has been pouring over that from, from what we hear and, and has been making great strides to try and get that out, particularly where the delay is held up by a state government department. Outside of that, she'll obviously put the pressure on, but where she can, they'll really try and drive that through, which is good. The other sign of encouragement we've had is uh, engagement with the Growth Alliance, Perth and Peel Councils, with Walga and the Department of Planning 
to really try and pull forward some of the some of the funds that are locked in DCS, the local government uh, development contribution schemes, and really get some of that infrastructure that's that's ready to go, shovel ready. Let's get it out the door. Let's get it on the ground. So to really try and retain capacity in the industry as much as much as possible, and just keep the economy turning. So that that's been encouraging. Uh, hopefully there'll be some some further announcements, or we'll have a little bit more information on that shortly that we can share with our members. And so one of the other great things that was announced just last week by our State Treasurer, Ben Wyatt, was the ability of local government authorities to be able to access Treasury Corporation loans. What sort of impact do you think that will have on local government's ability to bring forward capital works projects and infrastructure? Yeah, that's a great result for us. I think that Treasury Corp loans are at such a low uh, interest rate. Funding's there. It can, local governments should really get on board, grab some of that funding, get the infrastructure out, and they can then charge back to the schemes. It's just a win-win all around, so no one's going to lose out. You'll see some great community infrastructure rolled out. Hopefully, local governments take that up. The doors open. Hopefully, they just get in there and, and take advantage of that. Absolutely. So one of the things that we did when coronavirus first hit here in WA was we wanted to get out and survey our members in terms of what their response was from a staffing perspective, operational and sales and and forecast revenue and and what they were thinking at at those particular points in time. So we've done a couple of those now. Chris, do you want to just talk us through some of the results from those surveys that we've got so far? Yeah. So the first survey, most respondents responded on the 18th of March. So it was really at the outset, I guess, of the coronavirus. And the survey itself was really about preparedness for for the coming period. Uh, So the questions were really tailored towards that. I guess no one one quite knew what was going to going to happen in the coming weeks. So, But the feedback we had from the mem- members, and we had a great response to that survey, is they were all pretty well prepared in terms of their operations, staff, IT systems, supply of materials, etc. They were pretty well covered up. Uh, the industry was pretty in a, in a good place in terms of its capability. Uh, however, the biggest challenge was going to be cash flow, and many felt that maintaining staff morale and productivity was going to be an issue ahead. Uh, we had a wide range of responses from government, which is good, whether they be developers, consultants, engineers. One thing that was clear throughout was they all wanted a strong stimulus package to support them through. So we did that. We wrote to the government a little bit later after that to call for that. And what was really interesting was that at that time, almost a third of respondents were predicting a loss of revenue greater than 30%. Now, five weeks later, we did a, a second survey, which was really more focused at the economic impact. So, you know, industry was prepared, but okay, how were they going? How were they going five weeks into coronavirus? How how were they finding things? And so originally it was 27% respondents were predicting a loss of revenue of greater 30% 30 for this finance year, but the second time around, over half, 52% respondents were forecasting a loss of greater than 30% for this financial year. So that's pretty significant. The impact was a lot greater, I guess, than what anyone anticipated. And unfortunately, the result of that has been 40% of organizations have reported wage cuts, and the remainder are considering future wage cuts. So unless we start to see the economy turning the corner quickly, unfortunately, there's probably going to be a little bit more pain to come. Almost half of organizations have reduced their staff work hours, so 47% have, have reduced that and 31% had reported redundancies. About a third of that was between 10 to 25% of full-time equivalents, so pretty significant redundancies there. And the other 
problem we highlighted at an app survey was only 50% of organizations were able to access JobKeeper. So it's a pretty challenging time, and I think there's still a fair bit of pain to come given the lag that we'll see between our industry and, and the rest of the economy. Yeah, so, so moving now to our urban intelligence, which is our monthly snapshot of the state of the market in Perth. Tell us a bit about what's going on and what we're seeing from a lot sales perspective. It's been quite interesting. We were in quite a strong place relative to where we've been for the last few years, certainly heading into, into coronavirus, which is good. Definitely signs were encouraging. On average, our weekly land snapshot lot sales were around the 80 or so lots per week, which was has been as good as they've been for a long while, so that, that was encouraging. But in the in the weeks after, so from the middle of March, we were, we were just above the 80 lot sales per week, dropped off to 40, so there's a big 50% reduction between between the middle of March and the middle of middle of April. Easter was involved in there as well, so it's always a little bit difficult to actually pull out exactly how we've been affected. The end of the month was 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 good, but the end of the month is always good traditionally. So it's um, the next couple of weeks will be, I guess, more of a, a genuine sample to look at rather than the, the final week of, of April because we had a little bit of rebound, but it certainly wasn't off the rebound that we see at the end of every month. So it's been obviously a big reduction. The sales prices haven't been too bad. Prices have been holding up relatively well. There's been a decline there, but nowhere near as as significant as the decline in volume of sales. Interestingly, we saw the weekend the Housing Industry Forecasting Group put out their revised estimates for this year. The group was unable to to put a forecast in for for next financial year, so 2020 to 2021. However, we we're sitting on that group, and we're going to meet again in three three months' time when we got a little bit more information to see if we can put an estimate on where we think we're going to be. But certainly, looking ahead, it's it's just too, so many variables at play, it's very difficult to call. Mm. And so in the discussions we're having with, with other industry bodies as well, it seems that we have a pipeline of dwelling commencements that will probably last us about another 12 to 14 weeks. And at the end of that, we're, we're in a bit of strife if we don't start to see a significant uplift in sales. And I think the disruption of not being able to have display villages open um, during that isolation period is going to have a real lag effect. How do you see sales picking up now that display villages are, are back and running? And to what degree do you think we can get that pipeline happening again? That's well, really interesting, Tanya. I think there are a number of elements there. I think one is if people feel secure in their job and, and, and how they go. And so if they do feel that, they may be ready to move. But even if they are feeling pretty secure, do they have confidence in the rest of the market? That's a difficult challenge to, to determine. I don't think anyone quite knows how long uh, this is going to last for, whether we get hit with a second second phase or, or, or just how it goes, or whether we see some kind of stimulus come forward from the government. It's just it's very hard to call at the minute. Certainly there's nothing on the table at the minute. So there is a suggestion that some people are waiting to see if there's an announcement before that before they get involved in, in, in purchasing. But I think equally a lot of people sat at home and looking at looking at the market and looking to move and, and all the rest of it. They've, they've been at home for a while. Maybe they do need that little bit of extra space. So maybe now they're they're encouraged to get out there and do it. It's just very too too many variables call really at this at this moment in time. I think we just need to see one or two two more weeks of data come through and then I think we can make a call on where we're going to head in the, at least in the in this next 
short period of time. So looking ahead to the next Urban Development Index, which is due for release next week, how do you see that playing out versus the previous index that was put out last quarter? It's interesting that that runs to the end of March. So there's only two weeks of coronavirus involved in that survey. So it's not perhaps as relevant as it's been in the past. We did see some strong uh, sales in early March, February, and sort of the end of January. So there were some strong weeks leading into that. So I think those numbers will stack up. Unfortunately, the world's changed since that, uh, since we created those results. So I wouldn't pay too much attention to that. But it's certainly, it's a good indication of where the Perth market was pre-coronavirus. Awesome. Taking into consideration everything that we've spoken about so far, what do you think needs to happen over the next sort of four to six weeks. From an advocacy perspective, obviously we know that there's there's a number of announcements in the wings, which is, is encouraging. What do you think needs to happen for the industry to be able to stand up and, and play its part in the economic recovery here in WA? Certainly, Tanya, I think the one thing for me is making sure the industry retains capacity. So all throughout what we've been trying to do to government is highlight the issues that the industry is facing. We're not convinced, I don't think, that the treasure is really across the pain that the industry is experiencing. So that is really our focus, is to make sure that they are fully aware of the redundancies and that the industry has experienced, the downturn in sales. There is a lag factor involved here. So I think we may see some more, some pain in our industry just as things are starting to open up. And I'm not convinced at this stage that the treasury is fully aware of that. Uh, certainly, it's a totally different transaction buying a house as it is to buying a cup of coffee. So it's going to take a long while before we get back to capacity. I think the lack of job seeker access for many industries is going to be an issue. Uh, uh, sorry, job keeper. So we're certainly going to raise those issues. But equally, I think one thing to be aware of is that we don't suppress demand by calling for too, many, too much stimulus, certainly in the public domain, and then pushing any, any demand back out. We want to make sure that demand is immediate. So whatever action the government takes, we really want to see sales immediately to keep capacity industry and to get through this because the last thing we want is to lose that capacity and then be struggling with uh, housing affordability issues down the track and we just can't get the trades and, and, and all the rest of it. All right. So before we wrap up, I just I firstly just wanted to thank Chris for talking to me today about some of the recent data that UDIA has produced specifically relevant to the development industry. So one last question before you go, Chris. If you had one message in a bottle for our listeners to take away with them as they continue with the rest of the day, what would that be? I've been thinking hard about this one, Tanya. And basically back in February, I provided a market outlook for the year to the Strata Managers Association. And basically there, I said the only thing was certain about 2020 was that it would be uncertain. I had no idea just how uncertain that would be and it's quite possibly the understatement of the century. But encouragingly, we have already seen that our industry is resilient, providing we get the right take support. To my mind, this sector is the best place to lead a strong and sustainable economic recovery. So hopefully the government listens to that. We have a multiplier of two, so every, every job we can retain in our industry generates a further two in the broader economy. So hopefully the government is mindful of statistics and really we see a positive core and we can make sure that we're in a better place at the end of this. That's great. Thanks, Chris. So UDIA will continue to work extremely hard on behalf of our members and the broader general public in terms of making sure that we can make our contribution to the recovery from coronavirus. So thank you very much for tuning in. I hope today's discussion has been of value to you. 
This podcast has been produced to complement our quarterly magazine, The Urbanist, which explores a variety of thought leadership topics, providing new insights to assist you and your business. Our magazine is freely available to our members and anybody who wishes to subscribe, head to our website, www.udiawa.com.au for more information.